Welcome to Off Trail Learning. This is Blake Bowles. This is the third of three episodes about going back to school after being raised unschooled. And today I talk with Kevin, who grew up unschooled in Alaska, which is a pretty unique place to be unschooled and, and or just educated in general. You're you're pretty far out there. And so we talk about the nuances of of pretty rural life and unschooling far away from major urban centers. And then we get into a discussion of travel, because Kevin is a full-time world traveler right now. And so we'll hear about that and his thoughts about college and what public high school is good for and what it's not so good for. All right, here's Kevin. My guest today is Kevin Snavley, a 23-year-old grown unschooler and high school student who is from Alaska, but is currently living in LA, but is Skyping me from Bangkok, Thailand. And Kevin also goes by Kevin Cole online, in case you want to Google stalk him. Uh, welcome, Kevin. Hey, thank you, Blake. It's 7 p.m. here on the West Coast. What time is it there? It is 9 in the morning. Well, Bright and early. funny? <laughs> Bright and early and yeah. getting a little, little sleepy for me over here. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we are talking about going back to school after being raised as a homeschooler or unschooler. And uh, go ahead and launch into your story. Uh, how were you raised and educated, Kevin? My story. Okay. So I, yeah, I was born and raised in Alaska. Um, and so I don't know if a lot of people know this, but up there, there there's very lax homeschooling laws. So a, a lot of people do homeschool um, in varying degrees. Some people do the more traditional uh you know, schooling at home through a curriculum. Um, some people are, you know, more on the unschooling side of things. My mom, my parents kind of fell somewhere in the middle of that at first, um, trying to find, uh, she didn't really, actually at the time she hadn't heard of unschooling. So she just knew that she wanted to homeschool. Um, and at some point, uh, my aunt Ren, Ren Allen, who's also been, um, kind of a, a fairly big figure, I guess, in the unschooling community, had discovered it and kind of uh, passed it along to my mom, who loved the idea. Um, so after after she kind of learned of it, uh, I would say, I can't remember exactly what age I was. Maybe I want to say around seven or so. That from there, kind of like it took off, or we took off from there, and yeah, I guess we just. Um, and you were unschoolers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> what, what, did, what did that look like for you uh, and so, as an unschooler after age seven? Yeah, yeah. So for us, um, it was just obviously self-guided learning. Um, we did a lot of stuff where we would want, we you know, obviously you want to learn about a subject or, or whatever it is, you know, whatever your interest is. Um, I remember doing a lot of like science experiments with things. Uh, my mom, we were through, even, um, I think when she had made the jump to unschooling, we were, we, I think we still had a program at some point. Um, and in Alaska, I can't, I don't, I'm not actually sure if it's the same in other States, but in Alaska, if you are through, if you, uh, are signed up through a program, you get a couple thousand dollar, they call it like an allotment. Um, mm-hmm. that the state will basically give you to purchase materials or whatever. Um, so even though your family was unschooling, you kind of jumped through a few of the, the state hoops because there was some free money attached 
at the end of the rainbow. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of families do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we did that for a little bit. I don't think it was, it was too long after she decided to stop doing curriculum based stuff. And even when we were doing curriculum based stuff, it was never very, um, it wasn't very stringent. Um, I think the most like coercive that my parents ever got with as, at least my like education was probably learning to read. Um, and even that wasn't very forced because I, I really love to read and I learned uh, for me fairly easily. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we did that. Um, what were yeah. some of the highlights during this period before you started thinking about going back to school? Yeah. Highlights. Um, definitely just having the, the freedom and autonomy every day to kind of follow your own, own path and, and just, um, yeah, uh, I spent a lot of time, at least at some point when I got to a certain age, on, on the internet. And that's given me, like, just, just having that freedom uh, to explore um, and not, I don't know, not be tied, not be forced into doing uh, a typical a, t- a typical day uh, that you would at school, um, just doing busy work um, or things that you would otherwise be uninterested in. I mean, it just gave me a lot of time to, um, I, I guess, explore. Uh, and I, I learned how to write basically through online games, I would say, um, which is, it's an interesting thing because a, a, there's a lot of criticism about letting, giving children too much time on the internet and, you know, what consequences mm-hmm. that might have and all of that. And I was pretty much given unlimited, uh, unlimited, like, freedom to be on my, on like my computer. Um, so I would say that I learned how to write through talking to people, uh, on the internet through playing uh-huh. games. Um, I learned, uh, base levels of some, some different coding. I, I remember at one time I set up my, I was really into this game and I set up my own uh, server for it. And even though things like that didn't necessarily lead to a career in coding, um, or, or tech, um, I just, I decided that wasn't really where I wanted to go. Um, just having those experiences and being able to dive in to something wholeheartedly and give my full attention to it, uh, I think was really beneficial and has kind of set the stage for how I, how I dive into things as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to give everything my full attention, um, if I, if it's an interest that I have. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so... Aside from that, one of the really big highlights, um, other than just having the freedom to explore and, and without pressure, uh, was probably when my family uh, decided to take uh, a seven-month RV trip around the United States. Um, that kind of started, I remember my parents talked about this from a, from a very young age, um, about quitting, my dad quitting his job and hopping in a motorhome and traveling around the country. So eventually it took until I was about 13 um, and they sold their house. My dad quit his job. We bought a motorhome. Um, we lived in it about, for about a month before we left. And then uh, in December, I think it was 2006, we left uh, and drove down uh, through Canada to the U.S. And we spent yeah seven months just traveling around, uh, seeing as many states as possible 
And the goal was kind of that we were leaving in Alaska because my mom has absolutely hated living there most of her life. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where she just kind of got stuck uh, through different family things and my dad's job and this and that. So uh, the goal was that we were going to leave and move and, you know, kind of throughout the trip uh, and all the states we were, we were visiting and finding a new place to move. Um, and about halfway through, I would say they didn't, they hadn't really found that place yet. And seven months in a motorhome was proving to be uh, difficult for uh, not us, not everyone, uh, but just, you know, being, I don't know, being in that temporary space uh, when, you know, you don't know where you're going or what's going on. Like my, you know, some of my yeah. siblings had a hard time. And so that's very understandable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it was great. Like we were still having an amazing trip, but so they kind of decided like we need to figure out what we're doing. Um, so they made the choice to, uh, they, after we were done traveling, that we were going to go back to Alaska. So, so back yeah. to the snowy North, back to the snow. Yeah. Back to the North. <laughs> and how old were you then at the end of that road trip? I was still 13. Um, uh-huh. I turned, I turned 14, uh, about, I think a month or a couple months, month or two after we got back. And when did you start feeling like going back to school might be the right thing for you? So that was probably, I, my birthday fell in a way. I think I was, I was probably about 14. Um, I turned, yeah, because I turned 15 in the beginning of my freshman year. So it was probably actually that next, uh, like January that I had started considering it after Mm -hmm. we got back. And you had enjoyed all this freedom to explore, to do your own thing, to dive deep into your interests. You got to go on this super long road trip with your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it that made you, you know, start thinking that you should you should give this up or you should exchange this for something else? Yeah, absolutely. So I was, I had so one thing um, I mentioned earlier about Alaska is that there's a lot of homeschoolers, um, uh, but there isn't a lot of unschoolers there. Even uh, even if Technically, you could kind of throw them in that uh, that kind of lump. Um, it, a, lot, a lot of the people that homeschool in Alaska is for sort of religious reasons or more of kind of a, uh, I, I would interpret it as like a sheltering mentality. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to say everyone because there's, there's a ton of like really cool people um, that, uh, that, that we met and, you know, that kind of were doing it for the same reasons we were, which was not to shut out the world, but, you know, obviously to bring more of the world and like a deeper experience, um, mm-hmm. you know, out of life. So I, a lot of my friends, um, because of that were, were schooled, um, just because it was, it wasn't as other kids who were in my situation weren't as accessible as they are right, you know, in the lower 48 States. Um, so is that your way of saying that there weren't enough other kids around? There were, uh, but I mean, just my experience, like going to the unschooling conventions and like a lot of those kids saw each other like a lot more regularly than, than I did, you know, and I, and I would get to see people when, when we were at the, the conferences or, uh, you know, when, you know, when we happened to be, uh, traveling, but other than that, I was pretty much cut off from the community, I guess you could say. Um, okay. So, so the, the community of unschoolers or unschool friendly type people was just not very rich up in Alaska com- compared to what you saw down in the contiguous yeah, 48 States. Absolutely. Yeah, for okay. sure. So a lot did of you my- get a, a little bit of 
a little bit of uh, contiguous U.S. jealousy. I did, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, man, they've, they've got it made down there. Uh-huh. And that was something else, like, I really wanted to go back to Alaska at that time. And then sort of, like, building into my teenage years, I realized I didn't want to be there at all. <laughs> mm. um, but, you know, it's one of those things. <laughs> so a lot of my friends were schooled um, yeah, traditionally. So it was kind of this combination of I had only really ever known um, life outside of school and a lot of my friends were in school. So it was kind of this thing where I, I, you know, I kind of wanted this shared experience and to kind of know what was going on. And, and then the fact that I felt that it was probably my last opportunity to gain that point of reference, um, which I'm someone who just likes to experience as much as I possibly can. And, and I I really wanted to understand because I, you know, you grow up and it doesn't like you hear things or, you know, people that are going to school or kind of actually can apply to anything, but it's sort of hard to understand or, um, know, you know, everything if you haven't experienced it yourself. And so I really wanted to, just be informed and have that, that comparison between most of my life growing up. And then, uh, this kind of an enigmatic thing that, that I knew was there, but I, you know, had no like frame of reference for uh, school, the great mystery, exactly, yeah. the black box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, you probably did know a lot about it through just media and culture. Oh, and sure. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, definitely. Uh, but you still felt like this was something that you had to experience. You couldn't just kind of keep going for the next four years, feeling kind of lonely and uh, just never giving it a shot. Is that yeah. accurate? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Um, yeah. I, I just really wanted to, and I, and I kind of like, I, I felt uh, fairly strongly about the way that my parents chose to raise me. And it, I didn't feel like uh, I was necessarily missing out um, on anything uh, just because we'd done so much and uh, I really enjoyed, you know, the freedom that I had. Um, But yeah, it was also just, uh, I wanted to be able to kind of know definitively uh, was, was the way I grew up the best for me. Um, I don't know. Did I have a better experience than I would have otherwise in a traditionally schooled environment? Um, and then just kind of like things that seem mundane, but like some curiosity that I had was like, I, ha- I kind of had this perception um, a little bit that school was more like a certain amount of rigor or um, difficulty or you learned a certain, like, I don't know, kind of like, like, like that's where real learning happens. Yeah. Not even real learning, but just that like, there's this, like large body of information that you're going to consume. And, you know, it's kind of like what everyone else has. And, um, like that maybe that I wasn't getting the, you know, the whole, the whole breadth of it, like outside of that, outside of that setting. And, um, yeah. So yeah, I wanted to uh, test the waters (laughs) and then I waters you did. I did. Yeah. And then also something else that kind of compelled me was I had, a friend who was one uh, grade ahead of me 
and she had we had a Japanese program at my high school, and so she had gone off to high school um, and taken Japanese, and she went to Japan after her fr- freshman year. Um, so I, I had always been really interested in Japan, uh, and I wanted to learn Japanese, so that was a, a polling factor. And then um, also I, want, I, I was a, a swimmer, lifelong swimmer growing up, and I had taken kind of a like indefinite break after we moved um, from my hometown to Wasilla, Alaska, where I uh, spent the second half of my life. Um, so I wanted to get back into swimming, um, and I thought swimming for the high school would be a lot of fun. Okay, so Japanese and swim team sound mm-hmm. like opportunities that would be pretty challenging to find outside of the high school environment up in Alaska. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I felt, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like you could always self-teach Japanese, but um, I mean, I, I know through language learning experience that, that classes are, are pretty special and unique and, mm-hmm. and that I personally hit a wall when I try to self-teach language uh, that, that only a, a real-life teacher can help me bust through. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what were your expectations or fears going back into school? Uh, were, did you have any fears about like not you know, having gaps in your, your academic background? Did you have any social anxieties about going, you know, being thrust into the, the meat grinder of public high school? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I, I think, especially when you haven't been, uh, directly exposed to something, you can, I don't know, you make up a lot of inaccuracies just in your head about things and how it's going to be, um, which is why, like, I personally think it's so important to just experience, you know, as much as possible. Because um, a lot of the things that we think or the worries that we have are entirely made up and, they, you know, they never really manifest themselves. So I would say I definitely felt um, a certain level of, um, I guess, uh, like, maybe I would be inadequate in that environment just because, not because I wasn't intelligent or because I you know, whatever reason, but just that I didn't have the whole, you know, however many seven, eight, nine years of, uh, experience before that. Um, so yeah, I would say that that was probably my biggest misconception about it, um, was just the, the whole like learning environment. And, you know, I, I assumed people, put in all this work and so much time and dedication and, and they, you know, they, they, they were, I don't know, like, kinda and like what did you, what did you discover instead? So I, I just remember going in, um, and just being so shocked at how, I mean, for lack of a better word, like, like lazy everyone was and how like people could actively just be in class, like blowing it off and, and seemingly like just kind of getting away with it. Cause my whole perception of it was that, you know, you're coerced, you're sort of forced into this environment and then you kind of just have to do it. And then I saw like people just completely blowing it off and essentially spending six hours in a building, um, which isn't ideal anyway, but uh, my whole thing was that like, if I'm going to be there, I'm going to play the game. So just people being there, uh, trying to get away with doing absolutely nothing. Um, and it was just like, I guess really surprising, uh, to me just to, to see that. Cause I had this whole sort of like little story built up in my head about 
about how schools were and what it was going to be like. Um, and so that, that was probably the biggest one, just realizing that I could show up with almost, like, almost no formal experience in any classroom setting, um, no formal uh, progression in my knowledge or, you know, no, almost no formal testing. And I could walk into this environment that was completely foreign to me and excel instantly. <laughs> and it, I was just, I love I, that line. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, I, I don't know. I was really surprised by it. Cause I, I, I thought there'd have to, I don't know. I thought I would have to adjust to it. And it was just like, this is it. Like, this is what people are doing for, you know, 12, 13 <laughs> years. Like this is, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was surprising. Yeah. Uh, and what about the, the social environment? Uh, did you find it easy to, to make friends? It sounds like you already had some friends going in there. Um, yeah. But, uh, uh, how did that work out for you being the, the weird homeschooled kid coming in after so many years of not being in school? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I did have some friends, um, for sure. I had friends from, uh, when we first moved to Wasilla, I had some like neighborhood friends, and uh, through uh, through one of them, I met um, one of my really good friends, Sarah, and she was she was the one who went to Japan, and she was already uh, there. So I had her. Um, so there was a few people scattered around, uh, but I was also a year behind. Um, so I kind of went in, um, and it was a little it was a little strange because I would hang out with her and and kind of the group that she'd established, um, and I had a couple friends my age, but that was a really good like exercise and kind of forging um, my own group. So I'd say I, I spent kind of the first year um, not really uh, breaking out and like forging my own st- relationships uh, strongly in my own kind of groups. Um, so I'm sorry. I think I'm straying a little bit, but yeah, yeah, I guess uh, the anxiety, social anxiety. So I definitely kind of had, um, a little bit of anxiety because I, you know, I didn't know, uh, with someone who's a year older and like in different classes and doing different things, you mm-hmm. never know like how much time you're going to be able to spend with them. Um, so I definitely didn't know like how, how that was going to be for me. And I remember for the first little bit, uh, I had a one, like the, our lunches were staggered and I would have lunches that nobody I knew was at. Um, so that was always like a weird adjustment, um, trying to figure out how to spend your time when you know nobody for, you know, 40 minutes mm-hmm. or however long it is. So I remember like doing a lot of pacing for the first little bit and just trying to like figure out like, what am I doing here? <laughs> um, and yeah, so the first year is definitely a little bit of an adjustment. Uh, I think just getting used to that kind of environment, that social environment where you're with all these people all day long. Um, but most of them you're not really actually friends with, even though you're interacting with them on a daily basis. Yes. It is such a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, when, when we talk about it in the abstract here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so did you, uh, did you adjust to it? Did you, you know, come to, to thrive in the high school? And it sounds like the academic challenge was, was not, major for you. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. I pretty much walked in and I, I already knew that I was uh, pretty good at English. So I had, 
uh, I walked straight into an honors English class, and that was I, I loved that class actually. I really I really loved it. Um, just the amount of discussion we had, um, and that was kind of like the environment or the the part of school that I really enjoyed was the collaborative. Um, just, I guess, like, class discussions where we would read a book. Um, one of my favorite uh, units we did was on the Holocaust. And just having, I had a really great teacher, and she just facilitated discussions, like, almost daily, but definitely um, probably half of our classes, you know, were, were just huge uh, discussions. And uh, that's where I found I, I learned the most was just through... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, expressing opinions about a specific body of work or whatever it was and just uh, going back and forth with other students. And then uh, my teacher, um, Mrs. Broder, she would interject, you know, her knowledge. Of, you know, so it was just like a very kind of fun and open, open class. And those are the times where I was really like, all right, this is pretty cool. Because, um, you know, you don't have a lot of, op- you know, you discuss things with your family or, or whatever, um, in like an unschooled environment, but uh, the one thing that is sometimes lacking is you don't necessarily have that like giant collaborative uh, learning opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and like I the, the hive mind, right? With right. Uh, you know, hopefully one or or more really knowledgeable people to to help like push the discussion forward yeah, when it, yeah. when you start going in circles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just hearing other people's like thoughts and ideas and and kind of just being exposed to all of that is uh, really formative, I uh-huh. think. Um, so the, that, that's one thing that sounds like you, you would have had trouble replacing if you did not go to school, definitely. if you continued to be unschooled. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious what else do you think you got out of the high school experience that would have been very difficult um, to replace or to, to try to fabricate as an unschooler in yeah. the same years? Um, yeah, so I think difficult to replace. I, I, I definitely think, um, as far as where I lived, uh, just being Alaska, it's, it's really strange because the things are, you have to drive everywhere. Of course it's freezing cold. It doesn't really, um, it, it's not the most warm. I mean, <laughs> metaphorically warm place to be. People are kind of <laughs> closed off. Uh, <laughs> Um, and they kind of do their own thing. So it's, so it's sort of hard to create, uh, in my opinion, like strong community there. And, and there is strong community in certain ways, but just those spaces where people come together are hard to come by. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so given the fact that I was also unschooled and there, there weren't very many kids in my same position, um, I probably, my social life would have suffered more and I think while I didn't while that wasn't a huge problem as a child because you play with the neighbor kids you have your friends that you play with after the, I don't know whatever like it's a little like, bit more focused on like your parents and your siblings right right and it's and it's easier to you know to just meet people to play with than it is uh, when you start developing uh, more intimate. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like prof- more profound relationships. Yeah. Relationships. Adult level, like exactly. complex relationships. Yeah, for sure. So I think um, going into my teenage years, if I wouldn't have had that exposure to people and kind of, um, you know, just finding my, my tribe, I guess uh, it would have been a little 
I probably, you know, it would have been more difficult to do that outside of that environment. Mm-hmm. And you got a chance to, to study Japanese and actually travel to Japan, right? I did. Yeah. So I, our, our school was actually really cool. They did, uh, they had, we, I think we had four languages. Uh, it was like Spanish, Japanese, French, and Russian. And every year, one of the language programs did, uh, was it, did a trip. Um, just, you know, what a country that, you know, represented their language and kind of what they were studying. So we, I studied for three years and we went the summer after my junior year of high school. Um, and that trip was incredible. Um, my, my Japanese teacher was this really cool lady, um, named Carla and she, um, well, you know, one of the best teachers I, I ever had, she was just so, uh, very open-minded, um, very, she gave us a lot of, uh, I guess autonomy, like in our own, uh, own learning journeys. And so mm-hmm. she was just very trusting. She wasn't like this, uh, overbearing force that I found a lot of teachers to be kind of like holding mm-hmm. your hand and, and looking over your shoulder. Um, so she, so our trip to Japan was, was so great. It was her and her boyfriend, um, at the time who kind of subbed in last minute because one of our other chaperones couldn't make it. And he was just this funny guy. So they get, there was 18 of us and two of them, um, which seems like not a lot of, uh, like oversight. Uh, but she, you know, she went through a long process of, uh, you know, interviewing us to go on the trip. So we kind of had to apply and like make a, sort of application profile. Um, and then she was sort of, sort of select us, uh, from a pool of, you know, everyone in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a lot of, of freedom on that trip where, you know, we would be in a city and in Japan's very safe. So you don't have a lot of the same concerns that you do traveling to other parts of the world. So we, you know, we'd be in Kyoto for a day, and, you know, so you have six hours, go have fun, you know, be back here at this time. So we'd group, you know, we'd break off in groups and go explore the city for six hours. I am a big fan of that style of trip leading. Let me yeah. tell you. Yeah. And yeah, you've done a lot of that. So yeah, it was just, uh, it was fantastic. And Japan is such a, it's, I don't know how I feel going back now, but at the time it felt very surreal. Like, mm-hmm. I, and I hadn't done, I, that was my first international trip too. So yeah, it was just amazing. Um, I had such a great time from start to finish. So it sounds like your high school experience was pretty overwhelmingly positive. Like you had enough good teachers and classes that it kept you uh, intellectually stimulated. You had good extracurricular opportunities like swimming or learning a foreign language and getting to actually travel. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, maybe after a rough first year, your, your social scene panned out and you had a good group of friends and, and a yeah. good network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would um, definitely say that's the case. Um, is, is there anything you felt you were you were missing out on by not being unschooled during those years? Anything you uh, you felt restricted by by yeah. uh, by your choice to go back to school? I would say so in certain areas for sure. Um, I definitely missed uh, I missed the time that I had for sure. Uh, you know you you don't really realize how um, you don't really. I, I I guess I didn't realize uh, how how 
fantastic that was just the, you know, the amount of time I had just to dedicate to what, you know, whatever I was interested in or whatever I wanted to do. Um, until you have it like sort of taken away and you're like, all right, well, I'm here for six hours. Um, then I'm going to go to swim practice. And then, you know, at 16, I got a job as a lifeguard to them and I go to work and suddenly your entire day is filled with, you know, obligation. Um, so, and yeah, and then I started, I, I, while I would agree with you of your, you know, um, us, that my experience was, I, the majority of it was positive. Um, it was definitely, uh, you know, I had a lot of uh, realizations of how much time is like wasted in that, in that setting where you're in a building for six hours um, and you're trying to cram in six classes and in those six classes, the teachers are trying to wrangle a group of kids, the majority of which don't want to be doing anything or don't want to be there. So they're trying to blow it off as much as they can. So, like, just a lot of the time I felt was spent, you know, sitting there waiting or, or you know, if we were doing something, a lot, a lot of the work felt just like busy work. Like, we're doing this to fill mm-hmm. this specific amount of time. Um, instead of actually like, um, I don't know, like learning. <laughs> uh, and so those moments where, you know, I had those classes where it was really collaborative, a lot of discussion, those were great, but I also found it was you know, that might've been a quarter of the time if I'm being generous. So I definitely, wow. yeah. So I definitely felt a lot of just kind of like this crushing, like um, all of my time is being taken up. Uh, and not on things that I necessarily enjoy. So it was kind of a trade-off. Uh, I, you know, figured I hadn't done this for that long. I, I, and I knew that like I wanted to go to Japan. So it was kind of, and, and I did really enjoy the swim team. That was a really great experience too. Um, so it was kind of, uh, you know, I took the, I took the negatives because I, I really wanted the positives <laughs> mm-hmm. that came along with it. So fast forward to the the end of high school and what you have done between then and and now, just to give us a little little idea of where you've you've taken all this. Yeah, so I I graduated in 2011, um, and I kind of I I considered going to college. I considered a lot of things. Uh, at one point, I was planning on. Uh, I decided I wasn't going to go to school, and I was planning on going down to the Florida Keys and uh, learning how to sail. So, like, and then that changed, too. I was going to go to Hawaii and, and, like, become a scuba dive instructor. So there was a lot of things kind of floating around where I just, I knew I wanted to explore and uh, just kind of experience the world um, in different ways that I hadn't. Um, So I finally had settled on that I was going to do a long backpacking trip. So I spent the year after I graduated uh, working to save up some money. Um, and then I, so I kind of, I, d- I didn't really know where I wanted to go. I had a few different options. I thought about doing India. I thought about doing Southeast Asia. Um, I, and Central America was the other one kind of on my list. Um, so I worked the year. And then I would say probably spring of 2012 is when I narrowed in on Central America and that was honestly kind of an arbitrary decision out of my pool just because I, I it was the closest and cheapest plane ticket. Um, 
I did really want to go to Southeast Asia, but the ticket was, I think at the time, like 1,300 from Alaska or just something really high. And I could get to Central America for, from this, you know, from some, like I, I flew out of Arizona for like 300. So it was just a matter of it, well, how far is my money going to go? Um, so yeah, so I, I made the decision to do, to do this backpacking trip and I was 19 at the time. Um, and it's kind of, I'm not sure why, I, I can't remember the motivation behind going for so long, but I was just like, I want to do this really long backpacking trip. And I would tell people about it. Uh, and that's something else. Uh, in the United States, I think in general, we don't have a huge travel culture. People like to vacation, I think, but they don't necessarily mm-hmm. like to do these long, like experiential trips. Yeah, yeah. Not in the way that people from England or Australia right. might might more typically do that. Right. Yeah. That's that's really what I've found. So I was, you know, I was telling people about this and like, you're crazy. Wow. You know, some people said it was really cool. Some people were like, you're going to die kind of a thing. <laughs> I was like, ah, I'm fine. I'll be fine. So I, yeah. You so, proved them wrong. Yeah, exactly. I got back and some people were like, I was wrong. I was like, yeah, it was fun. It was actually wonderful. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I, I chose to do this trip. Um, and I was actually, I uh, flew down to, the, uh, I think, I was like in Washington and I was in California for an unschooling conference, actually saw a friend in Arizona and then left from there. Um, and yeah, I was gone for nine months total from home, seven in Central America, um, which seems crazy now that I, now that I kind of look back, even though it was only a few years ago. Um, that's a really long trip for somebody yeah. who's 19. Yeah. Like that's, uh-huh. that's really impressive. Yeah. And I turned 20, I think right before I left Central America, but yeah, but as at the point I decided to do it. I was 19. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Uh, definitely challenging. Um, I found, uh, going into, into like month three, four, you, you know, you definitely start to get homesick. Um, and I kind of decided like at the time, like, I don't know if I'm going to do a trip this long again, but I, I, you know, I was dedicated to like finishing out what I'd started and, and doing it. And uh, where did your path go from Central America to bring you to where you are now in Asia? Yeah, so one thing, one of my biggest takeaways from that trip, and I think this is kind of the same case for anyone coming from the, the you know, the developed first world going to a, a third world developing country, um, is just you, it's almost impossible to go away not having a really deep appreciation for the opportunity that you have. Um, and I, I, I did a Spanish immersion school when I was in Guatemala for about a month. Um, so I lived at a homestay um, and uh, I had like private uh, Spanish uh, lessons during the days. Um, and just, just getting that opportunity to live with a family and kind of see their daily lives uh, and, you know, get to know their, their situation a little more. Um, you know, I was told stories about, uh, so this one family I lived with, it was the, the parents, the, the daughter, and then the grandma. And uh, the, the grandma had a son that she hadn't seen in 25 years because he left to, to come to the, to the U.S. to work. Um, and she, yeah, she just hadn't seen her son in over 20 years. And I, I think they'd like Skyped for the first time. Uh, so that was the first time she saw his face. I think it was like 15 to 20 years. Um, so 
just hearing stories like that and then seeing uh, the struggle that that they go through um, every day. And these are like, I would say, middle-class families in Guatemala, but still like, you know, struggling mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. it, um, you know, putting their, their girls through college, even though they don't have any money. Uh, and then also having like, you know, health issues. Like while I was there, my host mom had uh, like a, she had high blood pressure and had like a blood pressure attack and was like freaking out and crying. And we were all kind of there, like, in the room, you know, just like being with her. And so, I don't know, it was just like, it was very, um, you know, you get your privilege checked for sure. Uh, and just coming out of that experience, I, I, first of all, had, I've always been very into film and documentaries. Um, and just having that experience of being in a country and, um, and wanting to, wanting to like share that, uh, I, I kind of had to, narrowed in on you know maybe what I wanted to do long term um which would be documentary filmmaking um and then also just uh a new appreciation for what I had and you know trying to seize uh the opportunity back home so after the trip I went home and I had no money left like I think I had two or three hundred dollars in my bank account uh when I actually got home (laughs) Um, so I worked for another year about, and then I, uh, I made the decision that I was moving to, to California. Um, it was just time to leave Alaska. It's goodbye, Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful place, but there, you know, and, and like, I, I totally understand why people, uh, want to live there. And it's definitely a, uh, it's a, it's a, more, it's a more free way of life because there are so few people and so much nature. And But yeah, it was time for me to go. There's not a lot of opportunity for the things that I wanted to do. And, and just the, the community up there as a whole, I don't think I, I really drive with. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I narrowed in on California. Um, I wanted to basically do, you know, complete 180, go somewhere warm that has beaches and live in a big city. So uh, and then also Los Angeles, here we Los come. Angeles. Yeah. And then with my whole interest in documentary filmmaking, um, I didn't really have a plan, but I was just like, that's where I'm going to go. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so I went there. Um, I, I lived there for about oh, six months or so. I ended up to kind of taking a side road and going to Arizona and I lived in Tucson, Arizona for seven months. Um, and then I found myself back there in uh, around LA and I worked for a little bit before this trip and now I am in Southeast Asia. Ah, the, the travel bug could not leave you alone for very yeah, long. Yeah. Yeah. No, always, always on the move. <laughs> and, and how long is this current trip? So this current trip is uh, almost four months. So we, we got a week short of four months. Got it. Yeah. And uh, just one more thing before we wrap up, you and I were talking about how you are uh, approaching uh, getting a, a bachelor's degree or an associate's degree. And I thought it was a really interesting method that you're taking. Uh, so just tell us really quickly, uh, you, you said you needed to get a degree to get a, a teaching English as a second language uh, certification or, or have a really good opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, w- I wanted to do, and it, it's still definitely an interest of mine to teach English abroad. Um, so I, I was planning on doing it and I, I was just looking at different uh, opportunities. 
and a lot of them um, to get kind of the best placements or make the the best salaries. Um, they wanted at least like an associate's degree. So I was kind of like looking at my options there because I've I had at that point and it will still had no uh, college credits um, or anything. So I was looking at, I found a blog, I think, um, that kind of outlined, like, if you, you know, if you want to get a degree and actually I think I Googled, like, how to get a degree in, like, less than a year or something to see if it was even, like, a thing that people did. Um, And I found there was actually this whole community um, of people essentially testing out of college degrees. And there's a few different schools that you can do this through. Um, the one that I chose uh, was called Thomas Edison State College at the time. Uh, at this point, it's been upgraded to a university status. So uh, they do, or they, they kind of are geared, they have a brick and mortar campus, but they're geared towards adult uh, ed- education, basically. Uh, people, working people who don't necessarily have the time um, to, you know, invest in going back to school but who want a complete degree so they offer classes online they offer tests um but the one thing that kind of uh puts them apart from most schools is that they accept an unlimited amount of transfer credits so basically you can go through them and you can transfer uh club courses which is kind of you know the college uh College level examination preparation, something like yeah, that. Something, yeah, something. Anyways, Google that. Yeah, so CLEP. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're lower. Le- they basically allow you to test out of lower level courses. Um, and then there's a couple other uh, different types of tests that count towards credits. And then the the university themselves, they have their own set of tests. They call uh, TSEPs. Um, so you, if you take, uh, for example, for an associate's degree, if you take four of their TSEP tests then you don't have to pay tuition. That counts as your tuition. And then once you have met your, you know, your requirements for whatever degree you're getting, you just apply for graduation. And So it's completely results-based program. You can just study on your own time, self-paced. If you want to cram the stuff in, you can. And then you, you take the test. And if you pass the test, enough of the tests, then you get a degree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's sort of the, the, the way that I kind of described it is sort of, uh, I don't want to say like, like a, a hack, but it's sort of like a, I, I don't think most people would complete entirely test out of a degree, but just based on the way that they, they structured their rules, it, it is possible. Um, so, so yeah, you can, you could even take classes if you wanted to. Um, through them online, you could also, if you took a college class, uh, you know, at a community college or wherever it was, and you have credits kind of scattered around, you can send them all there. So they just make it really easy for people um, who, they just make it as easy as possible for people who want to get a degree but don't have the time. So yeah, it's, it was very cool. I'm glad that I found it. Yeah, especially people who are too busy traveling the world like yourself. Yeah, yeah for sure. To go sit in some more classrooms. Yeah. Um, okay, <laughs> wonderful. Kevin, this has been a great discussion. We got a chance to talk about a lot more than just going back to high school. Yeah. And I just, you know, think you're on a totally exciting path. Oh, so thank thanks thank for talking you. with me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is great. If you enjoyed this ad free podcast, there are many ways you can support it. You can write a review on iTunes. You can share it on social media. You can email it to someone who might benefit from it, or you can support it directly with a per-episode donation at offtraillearning.com slash support.